Record FM is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios, the community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Spokane, and at their website, speakpodcasting.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. Welcome back to Cord FM. This is Melinda, and this time we're going to do something a little different. This episode is a series called Core Notes, where it's just kind of what's on our mind. So it might be me, might be Tiana, my co-host, or it might be you if you're feeling kind of ballsy. Um, But the purpose is just to get it out. What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? What are you ruminating on and what needs to be released? And this is the space and time for that. So I wanted to start out on this first episode of Core Notes, the idea of getting comfortable with our emotions, seeing them as friends, not foes. They are our internal notification system. And I say this because my husband is a chiropractor and everything goes back to a notification system when it comes to the human body whether it's a physical or emotional response to our human experience, it's there to tell us something. I mean, you wouldn't be driving down the road and your gas light comes on and you just put a big sticky note over that red bar. That red bar is telling you, you need gas. You're not just gonna ignore it. So why do we do that with our physical responses, um, our body's emotional responses to the human experience? So we're gonna talk about it, and that's what this show is all about. So um, I'm actually in a class right now at Lewis and Clark and um, communications track, and it's about ethical communication and you know ethics and morals and how we base our communication and start it off from a place of a value system. We value something and so we speak about it and we communicate that value, but how are we communicating it? And that kind of um, is something that we have to continually work on and evolve just as human beings. So talking about getting comfortable with those. Communication is what our textbook says is a call for learning that invites human flourishing. It's this idea that we are standing on a temporal ground constantly. Time, space, relationships, seasons of life, it's a temporal ground. So this idea of time, place, and people is where is the context that we're always applying our ethics and our values. What time is it? What time of our life? What time of the day? What time of um, our lifestyle? What's the place? Who's around us? What people? So just identifying that and getting clear with ourselves. The first point that I would want to make is that one, our feelings are our friends. Our notification systems are our friends. It's actually there to notify. A notification isn't a shame. It's not a jab. It's not a a dig. How you feel about it says more about how you receive it. So if we think about feelings as friends, what do you do when you feel it or experience it? You greet it. You greet it by name, right? 
how often do we say, oh, you know, that one guy or, oh, you know, that one girl who blah, blah, blah. Isn't it so much better when we have a name for them? <laughs> you know, Steve down at the coffee shop. Oh, you know, Lisa, the lady that I work with. When we name things, we humanize them. We make them softer and they come across as something more human <laughs> than that one guy or that one thing or damn it, I'm feeling this way. So to get more comfortable with our feelings and our experiences, we have to see them as friends. Um, one of my good friends and mentors once told me that she really has learned, she's in her 60s, so of course she's this sage wisdom woman who I'm so honored to have in my life. Um, but she says that when she feels something heavy, a lot of times she'll just sit in it has no idea what she's feeling, what she's experiencing, but there is a weight and there's a burden and she's trying to search her mind for where to direct it. Is this something going on in my body? Body? Is this a physical reaction? Is this something that's happening in my work relationships? Is this something about my marriage? Is this about not me at all? But she sits in it and she actually says out loud, oh, hello. <laughs> And I just thought that was so sweet. Like if we sit there and think about this weight that we're feeling or a burden or an anger and we can't really identify or, or see it going in a certain direction, but just to sit and say, hello. Okay, how are you? Do you have something to say? And then we let it. So I love the fact that she does that. She greets it by name. If she doesn't know it by name, she just sits and says, hello. James Baldwin um, has an amazing quote that says, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. So there's so much value at just facing it and looking at it and greeting it by name. The second point, um, I'd like to read something by um, one of my favorite poets, Audre Lorde. Audre Lorde is an activist, she was a poet, she was a lesbian, and she was just a change maker. She was a thinking woman, and I admire everything that she writes, I consume, and it's just profound, and it, I want to share this with you. This is from her book, The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House. It is not the anger of other women that will destroy us, but our refusals to stand still to listen to its rhythms, to learn within it, to move beyond the manner of presentation to the substance, to tap that anger as an important source of empowerment. I cannot hide my anger to spare your guilt, nor hurt feelings, nor answering anger, for to do so insults and trivializes all our efforts. Guilt is not a response to anger. It is a response to one's own actions or lack of action. If it leads to change, then it can be useful, since it is then no longer guilt, but the beginning of knowledge. Yet all too often, guilt is just another name for impotence, for defensiveness, destructive of communication. It becomes a device to protect ignorance and the continuation of things the way they are, the ultimate protection for changelessness. Most women have not developed tools for facing anger constructively. Consciousness-raising groups in the past, largely white, 
dealt with how to express anger, usually at the world of men. And these groups were made up of white women who shared the terms of their oppressions. There was usually little attempt to articulate the genuine differences between women, such as those of race, color, age, class, and sexual identity. There was no apparent need at that time to examine the contradictions of self, woman as oppressor. There was work on expressing anger, but very little on anger directed against each other. No tools were developed to deal with other women's anger except to avoid it, deflect it, or flee from it under a blanket of guilt. Now, I know I'm 40, 45. I have children who are in elementary school, middle school, young adults. So I have a life experience that I can say absolutely. There is a pattern and a track record of mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers who have avoided it, deflected it, and fleed from it. Anger has always been this one emotion that personally was rampant within my home and within my community growing up, but there was never the right tools to deal with it. Um, It wasn't even acceptable to say that you're angry so you had to use other words because anger was i believe to be a sin but what i know today is that anger is absolutely useful and it's helpful and it is our friend because it's our notification system saying alert alert something's not okay i don't feel right i don't feel safe i don't feel heard i don't feel humanized right now So what do we need to do instead of avoiding it to welcome it, instead of deflecting it to receive it, and instead of fleeing from it, how do we stay in it? As a writer, I know that one of my biggest tools of communication is first to write it out. I've been journaling since I was in middle school. I had stacks of journals under the stairs in my house with silly little scribbles and um, then some pages of curse words because that's all that's all I could do. I did grow up in a very religious household and there was a lot of anger within that space. And I remember um, reading a woman who wrote, sometimes paper is the only one who will listen. And as a child, I really gravitated toward paper. So I just started writing my thoughts and feelings and emotions because I wasn't being heard as a child. And then, you know, young adult, adolescence, all of these turmoil years of angst and not knowing how to express myself and really not having the permission to express myself. Paper was so useful in helping me just get it out and not bottle it up and not let it fester. So I do know that writing it out has these properties of development for us. When I was a director at a beauty school, we had a form called the challenge and solution form. 
And this is where all the students had an open door, an open opportunity to voice their grievances. And when you're an accredited school, this is something you have to have in place. You have to have um, a pathway of grievances. And that means that anyone who works there, anyone who subscribes, who is your customer, they, they have to be able to tell you when things are wrong or when they're not happy. I mean, first of all, we should want to know these things about people we care about and that we claim to love and to lead. Um, But we had a system and it was called the challenge and solution form. And the purpose of that was, you know, don't just dump your shit on me. Don't just, you know, you're having a bad day and you're pissed at your teacher. You got a bad grade. So come into my office and cry about it. You're going to need to write this out because there is something empowering about actually having to think about how you feel, identify the words behind what you feel, and then put them on paper and then decide if that is your most accurate description of how you feel. That is a responsibility, and we wanted to teach that to our students and staff and each other. It was a practice of communication because, I mean, again, we keep saying this in our episodes, communication is not static. It is fluid. And that's why we're so scared of it sometimes is because we just don't know where it's going to go. But that is the beauty of it. We just don't know where it's going to go, right? Is it a question mark or an exclamation point? So with the challenge and solution forms, when I'd hand them the form and say, I hear you, girl, fill this out. You send it back to me and we'll talk about it and then I'll follow up with you and I'll make sure that this is taken care of. I would say about 60% of those forms never got back to my office because what happens is we start writing out how we feel and then when we look at our words, we're like, well, I don't know if I'd say that. Okay, maybe that's not right. Or when we're trying to recount the actual factual steps of what happened, maybe we realize it didn't actually happen that way and that's okay too. It's a realization. It's a learning point. But then some of the letters we did get back It was wonderful because I was able to see the gaps in the holes within our systems, within our teaching structures, within our facilitation that we were able to work on or address. But then we could also see ways that the students could adjust and shift. So there was so much compromise to be had just from being able to write out the challenge. The other element of that form was solution meaning, yes, please share everything that you want to share. Say what you need to say. You know, it doesn't matter. There's no limits. But you also need to come with a solution. And that got them thinking in their frustration, what can I do differently? What can you guys do differently? What are some practical ways we could change this? And the great thing about it is that it was on paper. So you didn't have to sign your name. You could remain anonymous, but it was the practice of getting this out and being a part of the solution that was really empowering. So the third thing that I'd like to say is that with communication, there is a, it's a two-way street. You know, unless you're in the business of monologues where you really turn off any commentary from, you know, you shut your ears and you're just like, this is what I'm going to say and I'm going to walk away. That's not even a dialogue. That's the world of the monologue. But if you're into communication and if you're into connection, then it's a two-way street. You're listening and you're speaking. But when you listen... The goal is to listen to learn, and the goal of speaking 
is to teach. So with that, if you think about listening to learn, wouldn't you be thinking about more questions if you're confused? Wouldn't you be seeking to understand? I remember in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he he talked about this disagreement him and his wife had for many years. And it it was always about the refrigerator. (laughs) And for some reason, she was very specific about Nope, we only buy Frigidaire. We are not going to this other brand. I don't care how cool Smeg looks. We are just staying with Frigidaire. And she would get really adamant when they'd go. So he would hate even having the discussion with her about appliances. We'd go and he said they'd go into the appliance store and she would get really tense. And after a couple of years of this same argument surfacing, which we know that happens, these same arguments surface and surface, but it's because there's something deeper there that we haven't gotten to. At one point, he sat down with her and said, can we just talk about this Frigidaire, this, this appliance um, argument that we always have? Why do we have to go here? Why, why can't we try another brand? Why can't we look for something on sale? And she finally said, you know what? I grew up very poor and my dad scraped and saved for months for us to buy a Frigidaire. And as a man in in a poor household, this was a pride for him that he bought us a Frigidaire and it was such a great company because they allowed my dad to make payments at a time when we weren't able to make payments. They, they gave us grace and the company treated us like humans and they didn't take our Frigidaire refrigerator away even when we missed a couple payments and so my business will always stay with fridge air and she was teared up while she was telling him this and he thought okay it holds meaning to you this isn't just some you know butting heads we have about some argument about a refrigerator it holds meaning to you it has a place in your heart and in your life it's a memory of your father and pride for your father and he's like we will never buy anything else end of end of conversation end of argument forever and that's how important it is to keep asking those questions. So if we're listening in an argument or in any kind of communication, a conflict, we're listening to learn. What else do we need to know about this situation or circumstance that is creating a block between us and disconnection? The second half of it is speaking to teach. And I always believe that this always, everything we talk about, everything we feel, it needs to start with us first. You can't flow to others what you don't flow to yourself. So when we're speaking to teach, when I write, I am first talking to myself. I'm telling myself, how are you feeling right now? What do you think, Melinda? Let it out. And I do. I give myself permission to say the things I need to say. And I don't judge myself. I just give myself all the love in the world to do what I need to do. So when we do that to ourselves, we're able to do that for others. And then knowing when you're speaking to teach, there are different altitudes of communication. When I'm speaking to teach uh, my kindergartner, boy, I'm being kind. I'm choosing simple words and simple concepts. When I'm speaking to teach, with my middle schooler, we get a little sassy and I and we get a little bit more real and I let her see a little bit more of my emotion in the moment. When I'm speaking to teach my college age student, 
we are on the level. We get weird and funky and loud and it is fantastic. And it's created such a strong relationship between us because we have that speaking to teach each other where a lot of times she's speaking to teach me, okay, mom, what you need to know about this day and age and young women my age is we think this and we feel this about that. A lot of us do. And she's teaching me like, hey, calm down, miss high on your horse lady, come back down to where we are. And I'm speaking to her like, all right, girl, you're an adult now. Step up to where I am. And we have this great teaching time when we speak to each other. So listening to learn and speaking to teach. What I love about my my um, mentor is how she sits with things and then she says, hello, how are you? And she says that about her emotions and her feelings. So my challenge, my charge for you today is to one, sit with it, sit with whatever it is and feel it, experience it, let it set off your internal notification systems and listen to yourself. Listen to learn to yourself first. Because if we can do these things with ourselves, we can do them with other people. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm so comfortable with communication, especially difficult, painful conversation. And, you know, maybe that's because I have had an experience where uh, I have had a child who was in the hospital for a long period of time and we had difficult conversations with doctors and nurses every day. I didn't go run and hide in the bathroom when they came in. I didn't skip out. I stood there and we sat and cried and listened to these difficult conversations. I'm not afraid of them. I, I know that they only help. So it's frustrating sometimes to have like um, private messages with people. And I've got eight right now. Currently, I've got about eight messages left on red because people just don't have the capacity to continue engaging in difficult conversations. And I see that as a dysfunction in a healthy, thriving community. So that is the point of this podcast too. Like, let's just talk about it really. And if we can't even talk about it through text, we can't talk about it <laughs> on the phone. And if we can't talk about it on the phone, how are we ever going to talk about it face to face? You know, I think it's important too, that we also give each other space to communicate in the ways that are most comfortable to us. I have one friend who is like, don't text me, don't email me. I just need to hear your voice and let's talk. I have one, another friend who says, please don't call me. I don't pick up my phone. You know, we're going to have to text this out. So, and I respect that. There is no standard of like, this is how we must communicate. It's about her. It's about our relationship and what we're most comfortable with. So a lot of times I do text people or I'll DM them and feel out their communication style. And I'll say, hey, here's my number. Here's my email. However's comfortable with you, connect with me. And I let them. I just let them. I don't judge how they communicate with me. Just let people. The final thing, just to wrap it all up, is what I found in communication is that the root of all pain and all conflict is fear. It really is. We are afraid. We're afraid to name our pain. We are afraid to name 
what's hurting us, what's angering us. So we avoid it, we deflect it, and we flee from it. So if we understand that, like think about being fearful of any conversation. Think about if you've left people on red because you just can't and you've convinced yourself that you don't have to and you are absolutely right. You don't have to. But if you want to grow and you want to develop, look at the fear behind it. Think about with that one conversation with that one person that you've left on red, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, think about it. What is the worst that could happen if you just replied and said, keep talking, tell me more. What if you replied with, but how can you say this if you mean that? Like a question, a statement, some kind of connection. What is the worst that could happen? Maybe we break wide open. Maybe we are not ready for that. Maybe we cry. Maybe we have to care. What if we witness them cry? What is it that we're so afraid of? Think about it. That is all that I have today. I hope you think about the ways that you communicate, the way that you connect with people because communication is for connection. I hope you think about your feelings and learn how to identify them, whether you need to write it down, speak it out, look it up, use a thesaurus. You know, those are really, really great. I am not angry sometimes. I am just, I need to look up the word angry and maybe find a better word, maybe a, a more succinct word. Like I am a little bit livid, you know, sometimes that feels better to you. Find the right word though. Find it so that you can greet it by name. And when you greet something by name, it becomes your friend. Get comfortable. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cord Femme, which is Core Notes, where we're just talking about it to ourselves. <laughs> for whoever is listening, have a great day and we'll see you again real soon. Bye-bye.